This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 23, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. Ecuador has taken a hard turn to the left. The nation's president, Rafael Correa, has taken the ideas of Venezuela's Hugo Chavez and will apply them in a new constitution for Ecuador. Gabriela Calderon, editor of ElCato.org, says that 21st century socialism will send Ecuador further away from liberal democracy. Well, 21st century socialism is uh, sort of a vague concept. It's been, uh, behind this concept is its main ideologue. His name is Heinz Dietrich. He's a German that now lives in Mexico, and he's probably Chavez's official intellectual behind his regime's ideal ideas. And basically what uh, 21st century socialism uh, preaches is the erosion of the price system and the establishment of the... I guess we would call it in English the time value system. That is, uh, Mr. Dietrich's example is that the guy that picks up trash, if it takes him two hours, he should be paid the same amount that a brain surgeon takes to perform a two-hour surgery because it takes the same amount of time. And uh, this basically removes uh, subjective preferences of each individual towards different goods and services. Ecuador's new president has taken this idea to heart, presumably. He's... He seems to be trying to be the next Hugo Chavez. Well, uh, there so far there is no evidence to think the opposite. He has. Uh, it seems like a carbon copy of what has happened in Venezuela, and the only difference is that it has been happening at a much accelerated pace. And uh, right now, Rafael Correa managed to get uh, more than 70 seats in the Constituent Assembly that will write Ecuador's new constitution. This is uh, the same thing that happened in Venezuela. The reason that this was uh, able to happen was because when the referendum was held to, to ask the Ecuadorians whether or not they wanted to have a Constituent Assembly to write a new constitution, an electoral law that was not debated in Congress and that was written mainly by Rafael Correa's party was annexed to the yes vote. And most people voted yes because of the president's popularity, but they had no idea that they were actually approving a new electoral law and they didn't really under either they didn't really understand or they or they didn't seem to care that they were granting absolute powers to a body that is not going to be checked by the constitutional tribunal or any other body within the Republic of Ecuador. It's understandable in some countries that a major shock to the system might lead people to approve unchecked powers, but in Ecuador there really wasn't that. Well, there there has been a progressive erosion of basic democratic institutions since uh, the 80s, I would say. And it's gotten to a point where you almost have to think that politicians in Ecuador don't lack imagination because the, everything that has happened this year, it's not a novelty. I mean, constitutional violations in Ecuador are not a novelty. What is new is how people are applauding it and how people seem to be okay with the fact that the entire opposition in Congress was fired in one day by an electoral tribunal that is obviously subservient to the government's purposes. And people also seem to be okay with the fact that the tribunal constitutional was beheaded in a figurative way of saying it and replaced with people that are also subservient to the purposes of the government. People also seem to be okay with the fact that 
the last elections to elect the representatives to the constitution the constituent assembly was ruled by a statute that was written by the government's party and this goes against basic division of powers in a democratic uh, a liberal democracy basically because i mean in ecuador right now we're debating whether or not representative democracy is the way to go So people want to uh, have this extreme form of democracy where the media is democratized, which basically means that it is nationalized because the president thinks that every Ecuadorian, every 13 million or so Ecuadorians should have equal space in the media, even if you're not a journalist or even if you're not prepared or even if there's not a market for people to listen to you. So this basically means that in Ecuador we're having to defend basic principles such as freedom of the press because... Uh, the government's party thinks that freedom of expression is harmed by freedom of the press, which is uh, very hard to imagine that in the 21st century we have to be explaining why this is not so. We also have to debate why Cuba is not a democracy. People in Ecuador are considering that Cuba is a democracy. And despite the fact that they have one party government and they have had it for the past 48 years, it, it seems pretty hard to explain to people what to us and I mean I'm an Ecuadorian but I've lived in the U.S. and studied here and it seems clear as water that that is not democracy. Hugo Chavez has this ready supply of vast wealth that he can pull out of the ground in the form of oil and that would make it seem more likely that his government can at least maintain the, the facade that they're Going, it's a healthy economy. What does Ecuador have to allow this type of uh, uh, nationalization to continue? Well, there was an, uh, a writer in Ecuador that wrote a, a funny op-ed that was titled "What More Can You Nationalize?" Because we have an economy where uh, the entire wealth that's underground is property of the state. Granted, we allow uh, different foreign companies to come and exploit them under certain concessionary contracts, but uh, it's still controlled by the state and it is ridden with corruption. And we have an economy that has many state enterprises still. And most of the companies that have been privatized, they have been converted from public monopolies into private monopolies in which the sense in which sense it's not very much different because they still have this sort of mercantilist relationship with the politicians and the problem is that uh, Ecuador's economy is not nearly uh, as resistant as the Venezuelan economy was in 1998 we're starting from a much lower point so if there is going to be a collapse because of all these uh, wrong-headed policies, then it probably will come much sooner and it probably will be more drastic. We had a crisis in 1999 and the country only recovered probably by 2004, much much uh, because of uh, our dollarization policy in the year 2000, but the government didn't do anything else. So in spite of the fact that we didn't do anything else to reform the economy, uh, we bounced back due to external favorable conditions such as commodity prices and also because of the stability granted by dollarization, but it, we're still not in a position to uh, have 
good a good economic situation and actually investments have already stalled and some companies are already leaving the country because uh, just last week Rafael Correa issued a decree oh he loves uh, he loves decrees most of the things that are now being done are done by decree and he issued a decree saying that 99% of um, windfall profits oil windfall profits are going to go to the state and so this is going to scare many of the remaining foreign oil companies that we have in our country and it's uh it's kind of like shooting yourself on the food because they are the biggest taxpayers in ecuador and they will most likely not stay or not think about investing more gabriela calderon is editor of elcato.org this is the cato daily podcast you can learn more about ecuador and venezuela at our spanish language website elcato.org